Hello, out there in podcast land, and welcome back to Spoilers, your bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where your hosts have lots of opinions but zero credentials. Each week, we watch a movie, usually a bad one. We crack a couple jokes, we give your insight into the film, and we play a couple games at the end. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by Annie. Hello. And the Maestro. Ha <laughs> Hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, this week, Vanquish is being released. In Vanquish, Morgan Freeman plays a retired cop that is forcing an ex-Russian drug courier to do his bidding by holding her daughter hostage. Not a very good guy. So we're taking a look at a movie where Morgan Freeman is on the better side of things, as far as the law goes. Always look on the bright side of life. It's 2005's Edison. This was directed by David J. Burke. It stars Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey, Justin Timberlake, L. Cool J, and Dylan McDermott. All big names. It's a synopsis, and then we'll get into our thoughts about the movie. Upon discovering a den of corrupt policemen, a fresh-faced journalist makes shaky allies in a jaded reporter and investigator for a powerful district attorney. So, have you ever seen this movie before? Any? No. Heard of it? No. Maestro? This is the first time I've actually heard about this film. All right, me too. And we we are lucky enough to see this movie because I posed the question to the both of you after the podcast last week about a Morgan Freeman movie, and Annie decided, I'll pick one. <laughs> and this is what she picked. And uh, what do you have to say for yourself? I feel like <laughs> I really stuck to the true spoilers level movies. <laughs> All right, so... Let's wait, 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 wait. She's got a point. Yeah. Uh, first thoughts on upon exiting the theater. What, what is first thought? I'm completely justified in all of my feelings I've ever had about Justin Timberlake. Oh, okay. What does that mean? I've never liked yeah. the guy. <laughs> so he did bad? He was terrible. I didn't believe anything about his character, and I didn't like his character, and I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be the character you're like pulling for. Okay. But I was not. What about you, Mishra? First thoughts. I felt like the entire film was just like, it was rough, to say the least, considering the fact that we have like some pretty hard, heavy hitters in this film. And I couldn't get my mind or my, at least my eyes away from Kevin Spacey's weird hair. <laughs> yeah. Or the fact that uh, Justin Timberlake still has the same hair from when he was in NSYNC. Yeah. Or the fact that uh, LL Cool J was constantly angry and never licking his lips like in every other music video he's been in. Yeah, well, that's his thing. He, I'm pretty sure that's part of breathing for him. Yes, yet for some reason it had never happened this entire film. I was waiting for that, but it never happened. Me too. Oh, really? I, I would. Yeah. I just assumed he was doing it. I, I didn't. <laughs> maybe I avoided eye contact with his lips because I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't think you know how eye contact works. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, weirdly enough, I thought the best actor in this movie was Justin Timberlake, which is very sad because a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, this is a great cast. They all have done phenomenal things. And then in this, it felt like nobody wanted to be there. Uh, Kevin Spacey specifically. I, w- I was going to get an audio recording at one point. He delivered a line with s- no emotion whatsoever. And I was like, wow, he, Wow. Maybe t- do another do another take. A couple more takes. Uh, that was just sounds like it sounds like that's that's the way you read it when you're doing a uh, what do you call it table, table read. read. Yeah, 
No, and I feel like I, I couldn't get into the movie at all. Like there was, and I've gotten into a lot of really bad movies over the years that you've made me watch, and I just wasn't sucked in at all. Okay. Yeah. No. The, the movie itself. Yeah. Not very engaging. Uh, not not a whole lot. I mean, it's high stakes and whatnot, but uh, don't care. There was one other thing that really bothered me. The scene where Morgan Freeman's dancing in his apartment, we see him through the window. They yeah. do this like three-way split screen yeah. that they don't do at any other point in the movie. Where So they're like taking us from the scene to this other scene that's happening and they didn't do it again at all. So I was like, why... What what was that thrown in? I, I do remember a couple of different shots where I was I thought to myself, this was only done because of that shot they're getting. The, 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 the director or the the director of photography, like this is this is going to be a cool looking shot, and and that was it. It, it didn't have any purpose of anything except for this is going to be cool. <laughs> that's that's how I see it. Yeah, Mishra was alluding earlier that he, he has the same hair do and whatnot, Justin, as he did back in the Instinct days. This is. Yeah, this is the it's first like, movie he did outside of being Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. Outside of a music movie? Yeah. Music video? Outside of music video, this is the, only, the first time he's been behind the camera. In front of yeah, the that camera. makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're depending what side of the camera, whatever. On film. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And it took him a while to get to uh, the one that we did on the podcast. Uh, shoot. In time. From 2011. That's that was fantastic. That's also in the that spoiler archives. Yeah, so we want to check uh, Justin Timberlake in a better movie. Check out in time. Uh, yeah, the, the cameras were weird. The, the, some of the shots seemed like they were just lit weirdly. There, there's a scene where Kevin Spacey is. You see Kevin Spacey's profile with Morgan Freeman in the background, and it seemed like he was being lit weird, or there was this weird glow around something. He's got the glow. It was all very odd. And uh, it's, it's disappointing. When, when you first gave me the, the movie and I looked it up, I'm like, oh, all these people. Okay, maybe uh, we got something here. And then seeing all of them fail. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's so sad. Well, I did see that Morgan Freeman's character still lived up to the hype for who, who he was. I enjoyed it because he played a hard, uh, hard-boiled uh, uh what do you call it? Coupon saver, a coupon paper guy. Yeah. yeah, but he played a he played his he's played his post pretty well. I'd say even if he did the dance, I mean it was still like you know, a good reason for doing it. He he didn't seem to have enough passion for the type of person that he was or is. I feel like he did really well for the people that he had to work off of. <laughs> I mean, you can only do so much on your own in a scene where everyone else is going just monotoned. Yeah, I, I feel like his character should have been inspired, I guess. Like, maybe he used to be the kind of kid that Timberlake is now, and he did a bunch of good, and then he saw that it was not doing as good as he thought he was, and then he became bitter, and now he's printing coupons. And then this kid comes along and re-inspires him and kind of gets him like, oh, yeah, we got to get the story. You got to do the work. And then it starts piecing together. And I, I would imagine somebody that got a Peabody uh, for – Pulitzer. Pulitzer, whatever. He got some sort of award. Difference, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's a P award. All right? Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> that Once he got back into that kind of environment, it, he, I feel like he would have been 
more excited about it. But he just was basically monotone the entire time. He didn't want to be dragged back into it, and then he was, and he even said to Justin Timberlake at one point, like, well, if you don't print it, I will, because you asked this guy for his story, and now you are morally obligated to tell it. And he's like, if you're not going to tell it, I will. He didn't, but he didn't seem like he wanted to have been put in that position, so he's kind of pissed. Like, why did you bring me back into this shit? I didn't want to be doing this. I told you I didn't want a story. Just print what the verdict was. Mm. Uh, anyway, the overall story here is we have L. Cool J and uh, McDermott are cops for, uh, was it fart? <laughs> no, it was frat. 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 That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what it stands for anymore. Um, first responders. And assault, tac- assault and tactics. Assault and tactical. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys are kind of uh, spy cops or they work in the shadows, undercover cops. Yeah, uh, they're think, pri- they're private sector, I think, right? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think they're a part. They're like their own standalone unit. It's like a SWAT, but that, but it's like SWAT combined with undercover cops type thing, and they have their own op- yeah. rules operating. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, that's what isn't that what private sector is? No, because uh, think about uh, oh no, bad boys, the bad boys guys. They are in a different they're in an organization, kind of like that, where they're not exactly cops. They're not beat cops, uh, but they're also not special agents. There was a uh, what the, oh. the guy was yelling and tactics. Uh, where was the tactics or something like that? Yeah. Oh, Adam, I'm so sorry, dude. That was just in. If you watch Bad Boys, they're just detectives, man. And that world where the detectives have that kind of like hearsay and doing stuff doesn't exist. Yeah, well, neither does Frat, I'm sure. Frat? Okay, like, there is a bunch of other types of private sector-based people that do this stuff. They're not by the government, but they have their own rules and stuff like that. They have to be enforced by the law, but they do have um, those types of businesses out there. They're a security firm of some sort, but not in the sense where they actually deal with just, like, protecting, where they actually go out... And do stuff like what they're doing in this film. I guess Except I could see the- them being private because I think everything that from like the all the money they keep from all the convictions, like if the people they caught were convicted, they get to keep any money that was apprehended or recovered or whatever. Well, so I don't exactly. think you get to do that if you're a government agency. Hmm. Not to mention that. Okay, before we can keep on going, though. Who was that guy that was constantly on coke? The McDermott? That was Dylan McDermott? Yeah. Did you... Okay, that guy? I, I don't know why he was there. I honestly don't. He, he's always a bad guy in every movie I think I've ever seen him in. Really? Wait, Dylan McDermott. Oh, wait, before we... Dylan McDermott, is he the guy that, um, that was supposed to be Cool J's partner? Yes. Okay, just making sure. The, the, at the beginning of the movie, he shoots a girl in the shoulder with a what I, what appears to be a fifty caliber sniper rifle from very close range. This, this uh-huh. is my first note because uh, these guys have super armor on; they, they're being shot at and they're not falling over. And then this guy comes out with a sniper rifle and blows a hole right through a guy. If that's not a fifty caliber rifle, I don't know what is. And then later on, with that same gun, shoots the girl in the shoulder. So make sure the bullet goes through her to kill the guy behind him. Yeah. 
if that was a 50 caliber sniper rifle at that range, that whole arm is flying off and she's completely dead. Not even, yeah. not even close to being, she might, she might make it. No, no, completely dead. She was also, he was also close enough and apparently has enough accuracy and aim to be able to hit his exact target. So why not just shoot the dude in the head? His whole head was completely off to the side of her. If you're that accurate, yeah, or, do that. Or, by the neck area. Yeah. It still gets... Yeah. But this is just a showcase that this guy's a major asshole. All right. Sport. Yeah. Not once did he do anything in the, in the movie that was kind of like, oh, okay. He's not all bad. No, it's always, always all bad. Uh, next note I have. Uh, Freeman tells Timberlake to look into it while dancing. Oh, we talked talk about that. <laughs> Timberlake shows up at Freeman's house to tell him you shouldn't have fired me even though I I was doing a shitty job of writing and journalism uh, please let me have my job back and he tell, t- basically tells Timberlake if you want to write this kind of thing then you need to go do the do the work put in the work do the investigating don't just take one piece of fact and write a story around it get the story which he then does Let's see, guy breaks. Oh, so the way the movie starts, uh, the first after after the scene where the girls get shot and doesn't have her arm blown off when she should have, uh, the next scene is they basically shut down a a crack house, or yeah. there's there's people that have drugs and money that they're going to be using to distribute. They basically rob them, and, yep. the, and when one of them threatens or says like to his friend, "Man, we're going to report this guy," like, "Oh, now we got to kill you." So they kill him, and the other guy that they didn't kill, they just they frame him for the murder of that guy in exchange for not killing him, basically. That's yeah. the deal they cut with him. And that starts this whole thing because Timberlake was in the courtroom when he got released or he got sentenced and heard him thank LL Cool J, which is the whole, this whole thing would never happen if he didn't say thank you. Yeah. Which was also a dumb thing to do. Who thanks the officer that just told him, oh, yeah, he killed him. Thank you. Thanks for making sure I go to jail. I appreciate that. I thought he was thanking him for, like, the saying that he was like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Like, so he immediately, he was testifying that the guy had immediate remorse or something. And I thought maybe that's what he was thanking him for. I think, the yeah, I'm I'm there with Annie because the character, because of what Helicuja said, which also McDermott actually made fun of him afterwards for was for that same phrase. I'm guessing is the reason why he did that is to give him a lighter sentence or maybe to allow him to uh, at least do something along the lines where he can get out. Okay. I guess that, that, that does make more sense than just thanks for not killing me that night. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, weird time to come back and say that. So that guy's in jail, and he's going to be – he ends up kind of being the star witness to the beginning of Timberlake's whole report that he's writing. Uh, so he goes to visit him in jail, and as soon as the guy finds out his mom is dying, basically, instantly, I'll drop a dime on everybody. I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you about the cops that, that were going to kill me but didn't kill me, uh, so he cut a deal just so I can see my mom. Uh, if – you, you know these cops. You know how they are. You know what they just did. What they've done to the guy that you were with, killed him, and now sent you to jail to cover their ass. 
would you not think that if I flip on them, they will not only kill me, but they might kill my mom as well? This, this caliber of uh, frat people uh, are not to be messed with. Well, I also thought, I kind of thought part of why he also took the rap for it was because they did ask him, you know, what's your name? Who do you live with? Why are you here? And he's like, I moved here with my mom's. You know, her name is this, that. And so they also knew who his mom was, maybe. And that was part of why he was doing it was because she, they could kill her if he doesn't. Oh. Was part of what I thought was maybe implied. Okay. I did not. That. And then she had a stroke. So it's like, what am I doing this for? She's dying anyway while I'm in here. <laughs> That's kind of cold. <laughs> if she's going to die, I'm not going to be in jail. That's or I, no, I, I, she's gonna die while I'm in here. Like I'm gonna be with her. If she's dying. Uh, okay. I don't know. Let's see. I uh, proposes at a nightclub. Really? Oh, yeah. He didn't even ask her. No. He just put it on her finger, got on one knee, and people clapped. Right. There was no questions asked. There was yeah. there was no sign from her as a yes or a no. It was uh, here's a ring. I gotta tie my shoe real quick, and now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> Came over. That's got to be one of the least romantic ways to propose. Oh my god, yeah. At least give her the chance to say yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do it at a club, then you have the DJ stop and, like, hey, uh, we got an announcement or something. Make it a spectacle or something. Oh, Even that's tacky, but. That sounds miserable, yeah. Yeah. It's better than what he just did. Uh, so, right, right after the uh, proposal, uh, Timberlake is also at the club here. He sees, he sees the proposal. He goes out. He goes outside and then is immediately uh, jumped. Is that the... He's warned. Yeah. It's, they asked if he was mugged. No, he was warned. Yeah. So, so three guys, maybe four, pop out of nowhere, rough him up real good, him and his girlfriend, and take off. Ella Cool J comes over. It was a gunfire, too. He, they shot the floor? I think he shot the floor because the bouncers outside the club were about to come stop them. And so he shot the gun. And they're like, oh, because then they immediately back up. Like, oh, shit. Nope. Like, we're not going to die for this. Hey, Mishiro, back in your bouncing days at, uh, at various places, if, yeah. you, if you saw a scuffle like this happening, what, what is your role? Do you, or do you, do you, are you supposed to go help or you just man your post? Well, when I was working, um, anything that was happening on the, on on the premises, like outside the premises, no. Yeah, we're not it, we're not supposed to go into any other conflict whatsoever. But inside the the establishment, we were in charge to deal with whatever was going at the immediate uh, point, and then call the police afterwards. Right. So this was across the street, not not yeah. nowhere cl- close to your property. So you would maybe just call the cops, but you don't go investigate. Well, pretty much. Yeah, you have no like jurisdiction in any way, shape, or form. No. I took it more as like gut instinct. Like the bouncers and then a couple other people that were like in the line saw these two people about to be killed, like beaten to death, and so their gut reaction was go help. Hmm. And then as soon as they saw the gun go off, they're like, "Oh shit!" And they're like, "Okay, let's think this through. <laughs> Maybe we don't want right. to die." Uh, if I was with. Uh, uh, the group of when we used to go to the the bars and stuff back in our early twenties, we'd roll pretty deep. There'd be like five of six of us at any one point. If we were all there together, I could see us going to try to do something. 
if it's just me, I'm I'm not running over there, <laughs> especially not at this age. What am I going to do? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going to get beat up too. Well, I don't um, think any of them were this age. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but that to me was a was, was a dumb move for many reasons because if he was thinking that I'm not going to find a story here, that's going to like oh there must be a story now. If anything, this would light a fire under the journalist that's investigating that, oh, I'm getting close to the truth, so I got to dig deeper. That's what they told him, too. Yeah. Like, he gets in a lot of trouble for that. Like, mm-hmm. we had it under control. This was going to go away. He thought he had no story. He did have no story. Now he's just going to come after it even harder. Yeah. Uh, so, Timberlake's doing some more investigating. Uh, now we're trying to get Kevin Spacey involved in this. I was very confused. I thought Kevin Spacey was part of Frat for a while there and was one of the bad guys, but then he turned out not to be. I was very confused about how he knew Morgan Freeman. There was a weird kind of relationship between everybody. Uh, Freeman, I guess, used to be the journalist in the area that left and then came back to do coupons is the vibe I'm getting. Kevin Spacey is the investigator for the district attorney, which I believe is Wesley. I think he's a district attorney, uh, Wesley from Princess Bride. Uh, I think he's running for governor. Or is he the mayor? What's it? He's running for something. I, I want to say it was mayor and then going to be governor and then president and the, or something like that. Yeah, and then we got the other guy, the uh, I think it's Tailman. He's, he's the head of the frat, but it, it's all very convoluted as far as... The frat. <laughs> It, apparently, there's a whole underground organization linking all of the high companies in the Chicago area. Uh, it's Chicago, right? Yeah, it's a um, better. What's the name of the city again? Edison. Edison. Better Edison B. Okay. And uh, apparently, all of them. Somehow, it's money laundering through all of them through this. Nonprofit or something like that. So the frat steals from the bad guys to finance all of these other companies uh, and themselves. And the companies are using each other to get rich and launder money. Uh, and they have control over everybody because of the drugs and money and guns they're stealing from the bad guys. I feel like it's really hard to rip apart how bad this movie is because <laughs> we can't follow anything that happened. Basically, the entire city is on the take. Uh, the, the the people getting the worst end of this bargain are the bad guys in the area, like the actual the the, the blue collar bad guys are getting screwed over <laughs> by the white collar good guys, yeah. which are actually bad guys. <laughs> it's all very convoluted. Well, if it's white collar, Adam, you're not really a criminal. Oh, I see. I, oh, I, I missed that lesson. <laughs> uh, so then, at one point. Uh, Timberlake gets out of the hospital and has to go hide out at Kevin Spacey's house in the woods. Family farm. Uh, because it's not safe for him there. Uh, I, I guess it's safe for his girlfriend to be where she is. Well, that was part of it. The girlfriend's only in danger because Justin Timberlake is there. And if we can't find him, we'll get to her then. That's that's. If I was a bad that's, guy, that's yeah. what I would think. Yeah, but... So him leaving is putting her in danger. They explain it as if you're not here, she'll be fine, and that's that's all the explanation we get. 
So if if he is there, she's in danger. How? There's no way he's in danger. Yes, she's not in danger in any. Uh, if he's there, because they're going after him. If I know where he is, I'm not going to touch you. I don't know where he is. I'm coming after you. That's how bad guys work. Yeah. Well, again, I'm not going to try to explain it because I can't. Uh, I can only relay the explanation the movie gave, which was not something I could justify either. My next note, this is, this is the audio clip I was going to get. If, if you are watching the movie at uh, 56 minutes and about 25 seconds, Kevin Spacey delivering some dialogue with zero interest in what he's saying. Damn it, I should have got that. Uh, so then now Frat is being looked at carefully because of all the things. Uh, then, uh, what's his name? McDermott? What's his name? Lazarus? Yeah. Yeah, Lazarov. Laz. He starts going crazy. He, he, throws a, he throws a tantrum in the garage. It was just so... I think that's the most I emotion. I want to talk about that. What do you got, Maestro? The, the whole point about it, like, I mean, like, he was such a bad guy. A really, like, a off, the, off the hinges kind of person that was going to fight and do whatever he wanted. And then all of a sudden, he just starts crying and bawling up. He's like, you were supposed to be on my side. You were supposed to... And starts whining. Yeah. I'm like, this is highly unexpected for this character, which made me lead to believe that this guy was going to die or something was going to happen. Because it, at some point, he was the, the only person that was left that was supposedly doing all this bad stuff or at least causing all the like, trouble except for like Mr. McAllister. But I'm just saying um, <laughs> everyone else That's was... where he's from. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so when he gets shot in the head, I'm like, and he looks at you? It looks, it looks at McAllister? I'm like, okay. That doesn't happen, but all right. Oh, I, 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 started, I started cringing from there. It was very upsetting. I wrote down the line because he kept repeating it. And so, it ain't right you taking a side. It ain't right you taking a side. Right? He was literally like a toddler throwing temper tantrum that's not listening to anything you say. And he's repeating it over and over and over and over. Yeah. <clears throat> and and the, the Mr. McAllister, uh, perfect, perfect. He's being the dad. No. Hey, hey, buddy. Buddy, you're my number one. Who's my number one? Who's the number one boy? Yes. You are. You are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now let's get in the car. Let's get some ice cream. Okay. <laughs> so, so from what I understand, though, he's been on frat since it was founded and cleaned up the streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It ain't right. I'm taking a side. It ain't right. So now things are kind of getting uh, heated around the, the, the frat and... Timberlake reaches out to, to LL and they meet at a restaurant of some kind. I thought it was a weed shop or something. Was it a weed shop? I don't know. I think it had like Weed Brothers or something was like the name of it. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Sure. I'm, wrong. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> you have me second guessing myself now. All right. Uh, and they start talking about things and I, I had this note because it just it bothered me. They're at the table talking, and El Kuljic says, let's uh, move over here. And they, like, walk 10 feet to a different table and sit there and then kick some guys out from the tables that they were sitting. What was the, what was the point of that move? It's darker. But the table is a, is a light. The table that you're sitting at <laughs> is a light shining <laughs> on your faces. There, there's no logical it's explanation. It's pointless. Maestro, can you explain it? 
I'm not even sure exactly how to even start. Um, you know what? No, no, okay. I can't explain it. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, so then there's a big old fight in the, in the frat now where, uh, what's his name? Uh, Laz, basically he's, he's pushing LL for no, for no reason. Like, uh, hey, we're all under scrutiny here. You didn't tell your whore wife or something like that. Because we can, we can, we can rough her up too. And big old fight, uh, weird fight in the office. It's just, it seemed awkward. At one point, he gets stapled in the face. Well, it was also not in the frat office. It was, I think, at the district attorney's office. Oh, okay. Because the district attorney's like, there's a dead body outside my office. Right. So they're not even in their own office building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the fight ends with uh, Mr. McAllister shooting Laz in the face. Yeah. Uh, and then he does a weird look at him. After, he's, after he, you see the bullet in his head, uh, and he just kind of looks at him like, what? why? Like, I'm pretty sure brain function... Ceases when the bullet yeah. <laughs> enters yeah. and exits. When the brain gets damaged, you just drop. There's no like, oh, oh, really? No. It's just, oh, gone. But it did kind of look like the bullet didn't go through the skull. It looked like we could see the the end of the bullet, the back of the bullet in his in his head. It may have been blood coming out the front of his head. I don't. It looked I it looked know. weird. The whole thing looked weird to me. But it, there was like blood splattered all over the wall as he like fell. So it had to have gone in and then out the back in order for all that blood to have been on the back of his head to smear the wall. That's true. I guess it's just lazy or bad effects or I wasn't paying attention. I'm going to blame the movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this now has LL Cool J kind of doubling down on, oh, we're going to take frat down. So he, he antiquated technology. He burns a bunch of files onto a DVD, which I found adorable. <laughs> like, oh, burning on DVDs. I remember when that yeah. was a thing. <laughs> See, that, was, that was the technology for the time, though. 2005? They had USB in 2005. Probably, but... I don't know if they could hold as much. Mm. Did they have USB? Yeah, they had to have. I feel like in high school I had a USB. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, okay. But I also remember the still like burning CDs and burning DVDs in high school. Yeah, I guess. Uh, then if you look at the back of your computers, there's always a USB in the back. Yeah. Th- that was generally for uh, mouses and keyboards. And then eventually they figured out, hey, we can use this for data. But anyway, uh, L. Cool J is getting married after he almost died and saw his partner get shot in the face. And this was also very weird. He, he, he goes, he's changing on the balcony that is attached to the bathroom of the courthouse. So the there's there's a balcony outside the bathroom for some reason of the courthouse, but the only way to access it through is to climb out the window. Fine. I'll buy that. Uh, what I won't buy is a guy from frat on a neighboring building across the street with binoculars looking at that bathroom window balcony. <laughs> what are the <laughs> in case somebody goes out on the balcony to the bathroom? We need to have some. We need to have eyes on it. Everybody around the building, cover all the bathrooms, all the uh, chimneys. <laughs> if somebody walks out, we need to know what they're doing. It's just a weird. Like, I also didn't see how that guy could have been a part of frat because everyone else in frat seems to be super fit, like 
ex-military of some kind, and then there's just this one really big doughboy type guy. Uh, affirmative action. That's how that happens. I, I was trying to come up with something witty, <laughs> but I've gotten nothing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the same the same guy that spied him in the bathroom uh, goes to uh, Timberlake's house to kill him, sneaks in the house, and right before he kills Timberlake, gets shot in the back by LL Cool J. So not only is he not exactly in the best shape, he he lets somebody get the job on him. Uh, I don't know how he missed that. But. So a guy that was supposed to get a drop on somebody got dropped on. By the somebody that he was supposed to get the drop on. <laughs> Wow. It was all just all. They dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. And now we get to the. Oh, I see what you did. <laughs> uh, there's a ri- ridiculous, ginormous firefight now, uh, akin to. I think it was Cobra. It was the last time we saw a firefight like this in that warehouse. Uh, just didn't make sense. Uh, in, in broad daylight. It seems like all the cops are after him now, or all of all of Frat, and they all happen to be on the same street as he churned to escape. It was a weird set of circumstances that got them to this warehouse. He has a flamethrower. What the? At what point in in your in your Frat activities do you need a flamethrower? Why should that be in your trunk? Did you not see his trunk? I was thinking so many times. He's just really lucky that the safety didn't get knocked by one of the other guns when they're driving around and then it fires off because, I mean, nothing was placed, organized. It was just like, here's a bunch of guns. He just kept throwing them on top. Yeah. Yep. Giant firefight. Everybody dies. Uh, And blah, blah, blah. Main bad guy dies. Timberlake lives. Cool J lives. Cool J disappears. I feel like they seemed – they may have scrubbed the crime scene of anything LL was there because he knows he was one of the good guys even though he was a bad guy. Yeah, they said like it didn't seem right to turn him into justice since justice already knew what he'd done anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out of steam. Right? It's, like I said, I, I think I picked a good spoilers movie but at the same time I didn't because it's – so hard to follow and understand what the whole point of anything was that it's really difficult to tear it apart because you don't know what the goal was. Yeah, there, there's no real thread to follow throughout the movie. It just this scene to this scene, like that was weird. That was weird. That was weird. Oh, it's over. That's weird. <laughs> kind of like that movie that you wanted to do, and then we watched it. And we were like, I can't even talk about it. I'm picking a new movie. Oh, right. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I'll, it, it was similar to this, but at least with this, there were things to grasp onto to talk about. Whereas then we would have been just like, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and we're done. Yeah. I, I can't say anything good or bad about what happened because I'm not sure I understand what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this was it was very generic. I think of a cop film. They, they didn't take any huge risks doing anything. There was no big twists. It was just, it all kind of just happened to and around you. And you couldn't, like, okay. And, yeah, the actors, there was so much potential. Leaving the theater, you basically have the feeling that you, that whole tone you had just now. Yeah. That's the vibe of everyone that's leaving the theater. It's just like, well, that happened. Yeah. All right. 
That that would be akin to assembling the dream team for the Olympics in basketball, and nobody makes a shot. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> we got defeated three hundred to zero by by the Chinese, uh, by the Germans, and uh, by the Kenyans. Uh, How? No, I say by South Korea. <laughs> South, I think yeah. this is the shortest people right. okay. out there. <laughs> There's a team of marsupials that beat us, <laughs> but we have the best players. How can we be this bad together? It doesn't make sense. Only in movies. All right. Any final thoughts from you guys now that I've sufficiently exhausted myself with frustration? (laughs) This movie was just frustrating from the get-go. I mean, it was just nothing real, no real straightforward plot. It was a bunch of weird twists that didn't make much sense. And the characters were not believable from the hair that was on their head to the whining they had at the end. It's true. Yeah. Kevin Spacey's wig was distracting. I have no other thoughts. Okay. That's going to be a short podcast. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. No, that's fine. It's, we talked about the movie. We did what we had to do. It's not our fault. The movie didn't hold up to its side of the bargain. (laughs) All right. So, uh, like I said, the top of the show, we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. So now we're going to hear if people actually have credentials, the critics. We'll also hear from the audience. I'm going to give you two good reviews and two bad reviews from the top critics and from the audience. And hopefully this information will help you with the Rotten Tomatoes game. We're going to play right after. Let's start with the top critics, and let's start with bad, because that's my mindset right now. Uh, Scott Foundis from Variety, the movie is a paradise of cliches. That's it, short and simple. Uh, Michael Rechtenhafen, Rechtschaffen, <laughs> Rechtschaffen, okay. Wretched Filmson. This is from uh, Michael from The Hollywood Reporter. A star-studded dud of a B-picture populated with corrupt politicians, rogue psycho cops, noble newspaper reporters, and enough posturing to start up a chiropractic clinic. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. All right. There's the bad reviews. Here's the good reviews. There are none from the top critics. No good reviews from the top (laughs) critics. In fact, there was only two reviews from top critics, and they were both bad. So... Based on that information, the, the rest of the good critics are like, I don't think I even know enough about what just happened to write a review, or saw uh, or heard about it and just like, I'm not watching it. I don't care if this is my job. I'm not watching that. <laughs> All right, so those are the top critics' reviews, bad and the lack of good. So now we're going to play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Yay! For those of you unfamiliar with the scoring system, it's an average score from zero to hundred amongst the critics and the audience. Zero to fifty-nine is rotten. Sixty, eighty-four is fresh. Eighty-five and up is certified fresh. So based on those reviews that you just heard, what do you think the top critics rated this movie? Anybody? 11. 11 from Annie. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a strong number. Right. I like the strong number. I want to go for 25. 25. The critics have this as rotten at 13%. Real bad. Very good. Golf clap from Maestro. Thank you. We'll get for the podcast. Uh, now we're going to do the audience. We'll start with the good reviews. This is from Stephen S. from 2012. Not a bad cop film. Great cast here, but almost low quality in appearance. I don't know if they were trying to go for gritty or something here, but the style of filming, if there really was a purpose behind it, is really lacking in quality. As a side note, while the journalistic practices portrayed in this film aren't entirely correct, the writers get it right more often than not, and as a journalist in training, I can really appreciate that. 
Okay. So this guy, he's a real-life Timberlake, and he's like, all right, I, I like how they portrayed me in this movie. So good job, guys. This is from Irene C. from 2007. This is actually a really good movie. This is actually a really good movie. Okay, yeah, just bad grammar. Uh, it was supposed to come out <laughs> and on the theater, but never did. Then it came out on DVD, but did not get a good push. It is actually one of the first movies, if not the first movie, for Justin Timberlake. It is a story of action, violent, but it is very well written and acted. A must-see, especially if you love action films. You will not be disappointed. So she was either so drunk that she liked the movie and then immediately wrote the review, or she's not very good at speaking English, so she didn't really know what the plot was anyway. Or this is somebody that's in junior high uh, that happens to love Justin Timberlake and wanted to come on as an NSYNC fan, not very good with grammar yet. (laughs) Or she was doing this while she was driving while texting. Oh, in 2007. Okay. Uh, Now the, the Q, oh, what's the Q, w, what, what those Q9 keyboards? T, uh, T9. P9? T9. The ones where P9. you, A, B, C, D, yeah. E, F. Yeah, T9 texting. I remember that. Woo. Yeah. All right. Bad reviews from the audience. Philip N. from 2012. So we have some heavyweight actors in this film alongside Justin and LL Cool J. However, you feel like you have watched the story many times before. It's the whole bad cop becomes good cop dude due to guilty consciousness. It's a good movie for Justin, but it lacks originality. Watch out for Morgan Freeman's jig and Kevin Spacey's dodgy hair. Just remember, justice is like journalism. <laughs> that was such a dumb line at the end. Oh, yeah. At the very end of the movie, he says, justice is like journalism. So it's, sometimes it's not the questions that you ask that are important. It's the ones you don't ask. Yeah, there's the ones you know you should, but don't. And I was like, that didn't, That's no, dumb. that didn't tie together at all. That made no sense. It was trying to be deep, and it was just, what? Yeah. <laughs> deep as a puddle. Uh, Mark N. from 2012. All budget was blown on the cast, apparently, and there is zero in the plot and dialogue of note. If you are a fan of any of the cast, you'll be sorely disappointed for thinking their appearance might be worthwhile. <laughs> All right. So those are good and bad reviews from the audience. What do you think the audience rated this on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I got first this time. All right. I will choose a strong 20. 20 for the audience? Mm-hmm. Any? Uh, my first got was 17, but then I think maybe 27 because I was thinking about all the tweens that, like Justin Timberlake, that may have. Right. You need an answer? Three seconds? <laughs> 17. 17. Okay. <laughs> We've been watching a lot of Family Feud. That's what they do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the audience has this as rotten at 36. Oh, <laughs> would have got it. All right. Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. Oh, no. I wonder if they would have helped this movie. As we, uh, we like to play this game because, generally speaking, Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were – they make movies better by just being in them. So if they were in this movie, take a character out, put them in. To make the movie better, who would it be and why? I've got him. Gary Oldman is going to be Kevin Spacey. Okay. And um, Paul Giamatti is going to be Laz. Laz? <laughs> oh, okay. What do you think, Maestro? I'd go for Kevin Spacey's character as Giovanni's. Okay. And then to have the main bad guy, I, uh, Mr. McAllister, 
I'd have him as Oldman. Oh, okay. All right, all right. I, I'm okay with that. How about you? Uh, I think I, I like uh, I, I like Giamatti as as Laz because yeah, he could be unhinged very easily. Uh, but I don't know if he would make it look as cool. <laughs> Dermot makes it look kind of cool. Is it, his whole vibe, he, his face fits that character. Yeah, I did immediately hate him as soon as I saw his face. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I would like to see Giamatti do that. And uh, Oldman would uh, would have to be, uh, I guess, the district attorney. Uh, Wesley the, didn't do yeah. much. I think this is the most anger I've ever seen out of him in any role he's ever done. But he like, looks like a politician, though. He has like the just the general look of him is like, yeah, you look like a a sleazy politician. He looks like a rich white guy. Yeah, yeah, you fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's do trivia. This is the part of the show where I give you guys little bits of facts or information you may not know about the movie. This one's great. Uh, when a Twitter user asked his followers for a bad Kevin Spacey movie, Kevin Spacey himself replied, "Edison." <laughs> 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 well, what, what was it again what was that <laughs> when a twitter user asked his followers for a bad kevin spacey movie kevin spacey himself replied edison <laughs> nice that's great there's not a lot of trivia for this so i only got two more originally set for a u.s theatrical release in 2005 the film was pushed back after poor test screenings ultimately the film was released direct to dvd in domestic markets after the remaining unreleased uh what after remaining unreleased during a substantial time of uncertainty. So that's a little clue for the next game we're going to play. This was not released in the U.S. in theaters, only on DVD. Uh, finally, when Sergeant Francis Lazarov is chasing one of the bank robbers in the beginning of the movie, he says, come out, come out, wherever you are, which is a line taken from The Third Man from 1949, originally spoken by Harry Lime, also known as Orson Welles. All right. Money makes the world go round. I want to put the film into perspective with other films that were released this year so we get a feel financially how it held up to its peers. The budget for the film was $25 million. What do you think this grossed worldwide? It's U.S. and foreign box office combined. And remember the clue I gave you. It's only box offices, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's basically what the clue is. You're guessing the foreign box office because there is no U.S. box office for this. Maestro? I'd go for... Oh, Crimity. 15 million? Okay, 15. I'm going to stick with my 17. 17? 17. 17? So you have 17, million. you have 15? Is that right? The four box office and the total worldwide gross is $4.2 million. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So everyone agreed with us. This is yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah. This film debuted on October 26, 2005 with $0 million in the U.S. All right. Uh, since it didn't get released in the U.S., there's no rankings. So we don't know where this was. Fine. Oops. You have noticed a time or two that one of us, mostly me, had made some kind of mistake during the podcast. So to make myself feel better, I'm going to tell you times where the movie made a mistake because Pobody's nerfic. Uh, when Lazaroff kills the drug dealer in the opening scene, he doesn't even use the revolver they plant as a murder weapon to kill him. He uses his police-issued 9mm. An unfired gun with a different type of bullet would obviously reveal foul play. 
<laughs> I didn't catch that. That's bad. It's real bad. And finally, uh, I need two pieces of oopses because they just weren't that interesting. And even this one's a... Uh, who cares? At one hour, 11 minutes and 13 seconds, a gunshot is fired, which sounds silenced. Two seconds later, the gun which fires the shot is shown with no silencer, and the slide of the gun is shown locked open as if there's as, as if it's the last shot in the magazine. Two seconds later, the same gun is shown again with the slide closed back in its normal position without any noise or character interaction. It's just bad continuity. And it shows you how far I'm reaching to find anything to say about this movie. It's because no one <laughs> wanted to watch it closely enough again to yeah. find the mistakes. They're like, this whole thing was a mistake. Yeah, that, it was. Well, that was Edison from 2005, directed by David J. Burke. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Spoilers Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rat Pack Productions. Write to us via email, spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, or movie requests. If you have any recommendations for us, let us know. It'll go to the top of our list. We'll watch it for any other request. Next week, ooh, I think Misha might enjoy this one. There is a fresh version of a series of movies, uh, TV shows, and possibly comics. Go on. Based on a video game. Go on. We did the first one a while ago. We did? And now that they're doing a reboot that's being released, we're going to do are? the second one. From 1997, Mortal Kombat! Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) Annihilation. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is what we're going to be watching next time. Oh, boy. I kind of think I might want to rewatch the first one, but I also really think I need to avoid it. That's when Raiden's a white dude, right? Dude, that's when Raiden (laughs) comes from the Highlands of Scotland. Actually, it's it's in France. This is the guy that walks around barefoot all the time. He was the first Punisher, right? I think it's no, same. no, dude. Really? No. Do you remember when we did the Highlander one movie? Yeah. Is that remember? guy? <laughs> no, that guy. Yeah. That's the that's Raiden. Uh, he's not the Punisher. The first Punisher? It's not the first no. Punisher guy. Okay. No, he's not the first Punisher. He looks like him. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, whatever. We'll figure it out next time. All right, thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, sorry to have you watch that movie. And if you didn't watch it, then this podcast should be enough to get you through anything you ever need to know about the movie. I have a feeling I'm probably not going to be allowed to pick a movie for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the spirit of spoilers. I will give you that. <laughs> this is usually the kind of movie I expect from a May show, though. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, oh, I forgot you're still here. <laughs> All right, until next time, I am Adam. I'm Annie. And I'm disgruntled. <laughs> what? What?